Well, today, Habakkuk chapter number three, we are going to be concluding this series, When God Doesn't Make Sense, and I'm looking forward to learning from the Word of God today. And uh, if you are there in Habakkuk chapter three, would you say amen? If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you today, and uh, you can use that. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, that Bible is our gift to you. But we're going to start reading in verse number one. The Bible says this, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Shigianoth. Everybody say, Shigianoth. Shiggy. O Lord, I have heard thy speech, verse two, and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Everybody say revive. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman and the Holy One from uh, Paran, Selah. Selah means think on that for a minute. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise and his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand and there was the hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence and burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. Aren't you thankful today that his ways are not our ways and that his ways are eternal? They're everlasting. Today, for a few minutes, I want to speak to this subject. Find your footing. Find your footing. Turn to your neighbor and say, find your footing. Turn to your second choice and say, you too. Find your footing. Let's have a word of prayer together today. Lord, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for this opportunity that we have on a weekly basis to gather together on the Lord's Day to celebrate uh, what uh, you have done to celebrate the fact that you are alive and well and have resurrected from the grave. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would never lose sight of the power of the resurrection. God, thank you for the songs that we sang this morning, that you are a way maker, that, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by you. God, I pray that for a few minutes today, we would be able to uh, look to your word, that we would be able to glean truths from your word today that we can apply to our lives. God, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, give me the words to say. And God, I pray that we would uh, leave this place with a better understanding of how to make sense of life when things are perplexing. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Several months ago, our family went on a little day trip up to Lytle Creek, and uh, we were going to do some hiking and some exploring, and my youngest daughter, Blakely, uh, she was having the time of her life. She loves to just kind of go exploring, and she's real adventurous, and she was looking for all the little creatures and critters that she could find, and uh, she was having uh, a great time, and we came to this little spot in Lytle Creek where we had to kind of uh, cross uh, this little uh, river of water. And if you don't know, Lytle Creek is just known for the massive size of its creek, right? And so, um, and so we came to this little spot where, uh, where Blakely needed to cross over. And I have a video this morning, and you can see right before she's about to cross over, she said, I'm going to do it my way. I know, keep going. 
<laughs> she said, these rocks are slippery. And uh, right at the beginning of the video, she said, I'm going to do it my way, right? And she wanted to do it her way, and she lost her footing. And I thought about that, and I thought the truth is, so often in our lives, it's very easy to lose our footing spiritually and mentally. When we go through a difficult season, when we encounter a season of life that is perplexing, so often we can lose our footing and we can lose out on the stability that God wants us to uh, function in. And so often we can lose our footing. I love what David said in 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse number 37. He said, thou, this was a praise to God, he said, thou hast enlarged my steps under me so that my feet did not slip. I love this. David said, man, when my focus and attention and praise is on God alone, it's like he widens and enlarges the steps before me so it makes the path clear and it makes the way easier for me when my focus is on God. So often when we go through a difficult season, we begin to slip spiritually and we slip into the wrong things. When, when something doesn't make sense to us, we can slip into anger. We can get frustrated at everyone and everything around us. We can slip into anxiety and we start to become uh, consumed about what's going on in the world and what's going on in my life. And I'm worried about what might happen. I worried about what happened in the past. And we can slip into anxiety. We can slip into anger. We can slip into apathy where all of a sudden we just don't care anymore. This is frustrating. This is difficult. I've been trying to uh, get on the path that God has for me, but I can't seem to figure it out. And so then we just fall back into apathy and we can lose our footing. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 79, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I'm thankful today that God does not want us to walk on the path of perplexity, but God wants us to walk on the path of peace. And he promises his peace because he promises that he is the prince of peace, the very God of peace. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you have everything that you need to find and to walk on the, on the path of peace today. He, he is our Peace. And today, maybe some of you came into the room today, maybe you've been uh, a part of this uh, series the last couple of weeks, and you find yourself kind of where Habakkuk has been, frustrated and uh, wrestling with God. In fact, that's what Habakkuk's name means. It means to wrestle, to embrace. And he's been wrestling with some tough questions, and he's been confused about how God is working. And maybe that's you today. And I believe that God wants some of you today to be able to find your footing to be able to find your stability in Jesus. I love Psalm 40, verse number two. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. And so here's the question today. Uh, the question for us is how can we find our footing? Uh, how can we find that stability that God wants us to be able to stand in and uh, walk in? How do we find this path? Of peace. Now, a little bit of review this morning uh, to kind of catch us up and where we are in the story of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, again, his name means to wrestle. He was wrestling with God, had some tough questions. He was confused as to what God was doing and why God was allowing evil to prosper. And so he cried out to God. He got very honest with God. God, why are you doing this? God, why are we in this difficult season? And God responds to Habakkuk, and he says that I'm going to use the Babylonian Empire to bring judgment and to bring the children of Israel into captivity. When Habakkuk heard that, it floored him. When Habakkuk heard that God was going to use the Babylonians to uh, judge the people of God, that did not make any sense to him. He was thinking, God, how could you use a nation? How could you use the Babylonians, the Chaldeans? How could you use them? They are way more wicked than we are to judge us. Made no sense to Habakkuk. How many of you have ever been a season in life where God was doing something that you just couldn't make sense of? Anybody like that? 
That's exactly where Habakkuk is. And so he cries out to God, and God responds to him. And in chapter 2, we saw this last week. God says, hey, don't you worry for one second about Babylon. I will bring them into judgment according to my timing. And if you were here last week, we talked about those five woes to Babylon. He says, I will uh, take care of Babylon. Don't you worry about that for one minute. And so then we come to chapter 3. We come to the last chapter of this little book, and Habakkuk now is going to respond to God, and he's actually going to pray, and this this prayer is actually a praise to God. And so we see that Habakkuk in chapter 3, I love chapter 3, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's so uh, profound and revealing for what God is doing in Habakkuk's heart, because chapter 3, everything changes for Habakkuk. Uh, the book started, Habakkuk chapter 1 started with a big question mark. God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? This isn't fair. Why are you allowing the evil to prosper? Why is this difficulty in my life? God, why are you doing things this way? It starts with a big question mark, but it ends in chapter 3 with an exclamation point. It ends in chapter 3 with Habakkuk having a whole new perspective, and guess what? He found his footing. And so today what I want to do is I want to look to chapter number 3, and I want to give us three steps that we must take if we're going to find our footing. All right? Three steps that we must take. Is everybody ready today? Three steps. Number one, we have to cry out to the character of God. Cry out to the character of God. Now, Habakkuk is going to pray. He's going to cry out to God, but specifically he cries out to his character. He speaks to the character of God and how God is merciful and gracious. And so Habakkuk is going to cry out to God. And I want you to see it starting in verse number one. And I want to encourage you to keep your Bible open and ready today as we look back to these verses. He says in verse number one, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, Upon Shigianoth. Now, uh, the word Shigianoth is only used one other time uh, in the Old Testament. It's a, it's a word that refers to music, to ref- uh, referring to a loud cry, a loud sound. And so essentially what Habakkuk is saying is, I'm going to pray uh, to God, and I'm going to praise him, and I want this to be used as a song. Uh, he was so excited. He had this whole new perspective. He found his footing, and so he's going to pray and praise God. And so he says, Shigianoth, which means, hey, let's sing this out loud. Okay, everybody tracking so far? Now, notice verse number two. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. And so uh, what we see here is Habakkuk, Praise, he prays and he praises and he's singing this as a song. And in this praise, we see three specific prayer requests that Habakkuk makes. And I want to point them out in verse number two. Three specific prayer requests. The first prayer request is this revive your work. Did you see it in verse two? He said, Revive thy work, revive your work. And he's asking God to bring about this revival and this renewal. Now, I want to give a little bit of context here because I think it'll be helpful for us to understand Habakkuk's prayer request. When Habakkuk first became prophet, when he was first uh, uh, becoming a prophet, the king of Judah at the time was a king named Josiah. Everybody say Josiah. And Josiah is known for making a very important discovery. Uh, One day, Josiah decided, hey, we need to do some spring cleaning. We need to kind of clean out the temple. We need to kind of refurbish and and get things in order. It was kind of like uh, extreme makeover church edition. They're kind of cleaning things out uh, there in the temple. And there was a man there under Josiah named Hilkiah. And Hilkiah made a very important discovery. Off in a corner in the dark, he found some scrolls. And those scrolls happened to be the very words of God, the pages of Scripture. And so they wiped all the dust off. They brought the scrolls out, and they discovered wow, this is the word of God that we have been neglecting for years. And so what happened is they opened up the scrolls, they opened up the book, and they started to read God's word. And as a result, guess what happened? 
there was revival. There was reform. They said, man, uh, this is the word of God that we have departed from. We need to get back to the word of God. We need to get back to the principles of God. By the way, uh, wouldn't it be great if our country got back to the principles of God's word and back to the Bible? We would see revival like we've never seen before. If we would stop functioning from a, a worldview that we create from culture and start functioning with a worldview that is based on the words of God. And so Hilkiah says, wow, we found the Bible. Let's read the Bible. There was revival that took place, and that was great. But then uh, Josiah passed away, and his son came to uh, be the king of Judah. Well, his son, the Bible says, did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so all of the things that Josiah propped up, his son tore down. And so we saw that there was a revival, but then uh, Josiah's son got rid of it all. And so when Habakkuk comes, and in Habakkuk chapter number three, and he's praying that God would revive his work, Habakkuk had seen it happen before. Habakkuk saw when Josiah and Hilkiah found those scrolls, and they, they, they experienced revival. And so Habakkuk is saying, God, I've seen you do it in the past, and God, I know that you can bring about revival. And God, we're praying and pleading and begging with you that you would do it again, that you would revive uh, your work once again. And hey, in a few weeks when we have a revival, that is the prayer and the desire of our heart that God would do it again, and that God would revive us starting with the individual, spreading through our church, and spreading to our community. I believe today that God God can bring about revival, but it should be a prayer request. Revive your work. By the way, that's a prayer of maturity. Because if you read chapter 2, God was just talking about how he was going to judge the Babylonians. In chapter 1, he was talking about how the Babylonians were going to lead the children of Israel into captivity. If you and I were to pray and to respond to that news to God, I imagine our prayer might have been a little different. We might have prayed something like this. Lord, I know that you said the Babylonians are going to come and bring us into captivity, but God, would you spare us from that? God, keep us from that captivity. God, we don't want to experience that pain. God, we don't want to go through that. Would you please spare us from that? God, would you please intervene before that happens? But that's not what Habakkuk prays. What does he pray? Revive your work. See, Habakkuk was more interested in God's work than his own will. I wonder what would happen if we started to pray that way. Hey, not my will, but thine be done. See, James 4 talks about how we will pray sometimes, but we will pray amiss. That means that we pray with the wrong motives. A lot of times we pray for something, but uh, we, just want, uh, we just want it to get better for me, and we want things to be easier for me, and so we pray amiss. But maybe instead of just asking God to make things better and just asking God to take away our pain, maybe we should start praying that God would be glorified and magnified in the midst of our pain. And so Habakkuk has this prayer of revival. It's a spiritually mature prayer. He says, revive thy work. And then there's a second uh, prayer request that we see in verse number 2. He says this. Can everyone see verse number two? Anyone else can see verse number two this morning? Okay, good. He says, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. Make known. Everybody say, make known. He says, I want you to reveal your purpose. And I think this is so indicative because when we're going through a season when God doesn't make sense, so often our frustration is we don't know the purpose of it, Right? Why is this happening? I don't understand. I, I believe that God's in control. I believe that God's sovereign. But why did this happen to me? And why was I hurt in this way? And so Habakkuk says, God, revive your work. But then he says, make known to the people, reveal your purpose. By the way, can I encourage you that God always has a purpose for our pain? Even when we can't see it, there is a purpose. And the Bible says this in John chapter 9, verse number 1. And as Jesus passed by, he was with his disciples. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered. And so the disciples, they, they see this blind man. They said, Jesus, who did sin? 
did, did he sin or did his parents sin? Why is he blind? In other words, what's the purpose for his pain? Was it because he sinned or was it because his parents sinned? Notice Jesus' response. Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. The word manifest means to be displayed, to make known. Jesus said the reason that he has pain is so that the works of God could be made known and so that I can be glorified. And God always has a purpose for our pain, ultimately so that our pain would usher in the glory of God so that other people can see that pain and be brought to Jesus as well. And so he says, I have a purpose to uh, reveal and to uh, show my power and to show glory in the midst of suffering. And so he prays Habakkuk for uh, God to revive the work to reveal his purpose. And then there's a third prayer request that I want you to see in verse two. The third prayer request is this, remember your mercy. He says, God, would you remember your mercy? Now this is fascinating. Notice it again in verse two. He says, make known at the end of verse two, he says, in wrath, remember mercy. God, in your wrath, now, wrath is the divine attribute of God whereby he enacts righteous judgment for sin, his wrath. He says, in your wrath, remember mercy. What a, what a wonderful prayer request. By the way, can I encourage you? God always remembers mercy. He always does because our God is a merciful and a gracious God. And so here's Habakkuk's prayer request. God, I know that the Babylonians have to come and take us into captivity because the Israelites have been living in sin. God, I understand that you are a holy God and a righteous God, and so you have to exercise your judgment. God, I understand that, and I agree with that. But God, in your wrath, would you remember mercy? Would you remember mercy? The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. I'm thankful today that the God that we worship is rich in mercy. By the way, God answered Habakkuk's prayer request. We know that God did show mercy. And we even see a demonstration of this mercy taking place in uh, the last book of the Old Testament in Malachi. Is it okay if we go a little bit deeper this morning and study God's word together? Would that be okay? Uh, because we see in Malachi uh, how God answers this prayer request and how God brings about mercy. I want you to see it uh, in the prophet of Malachi. In, in chapter 3, verse 17, it says this. Then they feared the Lord. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. So, even though Israel had abandoned the ways of God and were living in wickedness, there was a few people that still feared the Lord. Everybody tracking so far? There was a few people in Habakkuk's time and Malachi's time that were still fearing the Lord, and they were talking with one another. And uh, they were kind of getting together all the time. They were having Bible studies in small groups, and they were saying, man, what's going to happen, and how is this going to happen, and when's God going to deliver us? And they were talking with one another. And the Lord hearkened. God heard it. By the way, uh, this is something that we've seen uh, repeated throughout this study in Habakkuk, but aren't you thankful that God hears and answers our prayers, uh, that, that he inclines his ear? And so the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord, and that thought, and that, uh, thought upon his name, and they shall be mine saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I wake up, uh, when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them. As a man spareth his own son that serveth him. God showed his mercy. There was a remnant in Israel. And even though the Israelites were taken into captivity in Babylon for 70 years, God had a remnant and they were uh, brought back into their homeland just as God promised would happen. It came to pass because the God that we worship is a merciful God. By the way, Today, we don't have Babylon, but what we do have is the nation of Israel because God always keeps his promises and he shows mercy. And so Habakkuk says, Lord, would you show mercy? And I think also there's great comfort in that for us when we're going through a difficult 
season, when we're uh, traversing a time when God is not making sense, to remember and to think on God's love and God's mercy for us. And when we can remember God's mercy, that will produce comfort. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, he said this, when pain is to be borne, a little courage helps more than much knowledge, a little human sympathy more than much courage, and the least tincture of the love of God more than all. He says, you know what you need when you're going through a painful season? The love of God. You need to be reminded of God's love and God's mercy that can comfort you. Romans 8, 37 says this, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I don't know what you're going through today, but I know that there's a promise in God's word that says you are more than conquerors, not in your own strength, not in your own ideas, in your own philosophy, but you can be victorious through the love of God. We are uh, more than conquerors through him that loved us. And here's the good news, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Aren't you thankful for the love of God today? Habakkuk has this prayer request. He cries out to the character of God. He cries out to his mercy. He says, in your wrath, remember mercy. And God did. And so today, number one, we have to cry out to the character of God. Here's the second thought today. Number two is this. Consider the works of God. So now we have to consider the works of God and what God has done. Now, in verses 3 through 15, Habakkuk is going to think back, and he's going to remind himself of what God had done in the past, okay? And, uh, you know, a lot of things in life uh, can trigger a memory, right? Certain smells sometimes can trigger a memory that bring you back to a certain place. Maybe, you know, a certain song can bring you back to a certain season. Well, Habakkuk is going to uh, trigger some memories in his mind, and he's going to uh, bring up the works of God and what God had done in the past. And I believe that one of the greatest ways in our lives to build a great future is to reflect on the goodness of God in the past and what God has done and how God has been so faithful to us. By the way, uh, that's what we do at Communion. Whenever as a church we take the Lord's table, whenever we celebrate communion, what are we doing? We're remembering the works of God. We're remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. And so it's good for us to pause and to consider uh, the works of God and the faithfulness of God. And so I want us to see a few examples of this in verses 3 through 15. So if you have your Bible, uh, let's notice a few examples. Verse 3. He says, God came from Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. So, so think on that. And what he's saying here is this region of Taman and Mount Paran, this was south of Judah. This was in an area called Sinai, uh, where we have Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai is where God delivered the Ten Commandments to Moses. And so here he's going to be talking about Moses. And he's going to be talking about the exodus from Egypt. And he's reminded about uh, the faithfulness of God, how God delivered the Israelites. Everybody tracking so far? Okay, so verse 4. He said, and his brightness was as the light. He had horns. Uh, coming out of his hand. Now, the word horns there, uh, there's been a misinterpretation of that throughout, uh, throughout the centuries. The word horns is the Hebrew word haran, and what it means is it means rays of light, and the word is interchangeable with horns and rays of light. It's the same Hebrew word used for both, and so some people have thought that Moses had horns on his head when really, if you remember in Exodus 34, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, his face was radiating the brilliance and the light of God, right? And so what we see is that Moses came down, and there was rays of light uh, coming off of him, and this is what he's talking about here. Notice verse 5. Before him went the pestilence and the burning coals and went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. This is talking about the faithfulness of God, what God has done. Okay, he's talking about the character of God. 
He says, and he beheld, verse 6, he looked and drove asunder the nations. And I love that line because he's showing the power of God that all he had to do was look and drove asunder the nations. Like, like some of you parents know the power of a look, you know, to your children. You could just look at them. They know. I, I remember a couple of times in church growing up, my mom would just look at me, and I knew I was in big trouble, you know, just by that look. God just looks at the nations and, and drives them asunder, speaking of his power. Notice verse 9. He says, thy bow was made quite naked according to the oaths of the tribes. And you might be thinking, well, what does that mean? Essentially what he's saying is that God stands ready to defend his people. The bow and the arrow is not in its sheath. It's not covered. It's not hidden. It's exposed. It's naked. And it's painting this picture that God is standing like a warrior ready to defend his people, that the arrow is ready uh, to fire against his people. And so, again, he's, he's talking about the faithfulness of God and the character of God. Notice verse 10. The mountains saw thee, and they trembled, and the overflowing of the water passed by. Here he's talking about the Red Sea and how God delivered the Israelites through the Red Sea, lifted up his hands on high. Verse 11, the sun and moon stood still in their habitation. And here he's talking about how Joshua prayed that sun stand still prayer. How many of you remember the, the prayer that Joshua that said, make the sun stand still? Anybody remember that prayer? A bold prayer in the Old Testament. And so, uh, again, what is Habakkuk doing? He's just reminding himself uh, of all uh, of the works of God and how God has been so faithful time and time again. God delivered his people time and time again. God has been faithful. And so he's reminding himself of all of these victories. And please hear me today. I believe that this is so practical and relevant. When you can't make sense of God, when you're struggling to ascertain what God is doing in your season, it is paramount that we fix our minds on the unending, never-changing, unwavering faithfulness of our God. To remember the works of God, how God has been so good to us and how God has provided for us and how God has redeemed us from our sin, that God has regenerated us. We've been born again uh, by the grace of God. Think back on your life to when you got saved, how good God has been. Think back when your family uh, accepted Christ or when they were baptized and, and how God provided for you when you were struggling financially and how God has been so good to you. And we can have this, this heart that says, God, I've seen you do it in the past. Will you do it again? Habakkuk is comforting himself by remembering how God has been faithful and considering the works of God. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says this, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Our God is faithful. He's faithful to provide. He's faithful to give, to protect, and to love his people. John MacArthur said this, God is always faithful. And we can stand today and step back from the most gross problem, from the most unbelievable perplexity, from the most confusing dilemma. And we can say, I don't understand the problem, but I understand God and God is faithful. We might not always be able to understand the season that we're in. The Bible says that now we look through a glass darkly and we can't always ascertain. But then when we get to heaven face to face, we will understand and have the clarity that God desires for us to have. And so today, cry out to the character of God. Uh, he has these prayer requests in verse number two. Then we consider the works of God. Habakkuk is just reminding himself about how good God has been. And then number three today is this, celebrate the power of God. Then we celebrate 
the power of God. And you're going to notice as we read these verses how Habakkuk's tune has completely changed from chapter number one. If you weren't here week number one, go back and read chapter one and just read the first five verses and how Habakkuk is saying, God, you're not fair. How come you're doing this and why and, and why? Being very honest with God. And now his tune changes. Let, let's see, uh, starting in verse number 16. I believe verse 16 is one of the most relatable verses in all the Bible. Are you ready for it? I believe we can all relate to it. Verse 16. He says, when I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones. He says, I couldn't even move. I just froze up. And I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he, come in, uh, when he uh, cometh up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. Here's what's so interesting about verse 16. Habakkuk had just spent verses 3 through 15 talking about the faithfulness of God, the works of God, talking about how powerful God is. We just read some of the examples, right? He stands ready with a bow and arrow, uh, that God is ready to deliver, that, that he's powerful. Habakkuk had just reviewed and rehearsed the faithfulness and the works of God. And then in verse number 16, what does he say? I'm still scared. He says, God, I know that you're going to deliver. I know that you're powerful. I believe that you have a plan. I believe that you're faithful. I know that you've done it in the past. I believe that you do it again. But God, I'm still afraid. And how relatable is this verse? It speaks to that dichotomy, that, that, that war that's within all of us, that the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. That, that I know God's word to be true, and I believe God to be faithful, and I know that God is sovereign, but I'm still struggling. I'm still scared. This is the heart of Habakkuk. See, I think we see a New, New Testament example of this with the Apostle Paul. Remember in, in Philippians, Paul said in, in Philippians 4, 4, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How many of you remember that verse where Paul just says rejoice always, right? He says rejoice always. But then in Romans, Paul says something else. In Romans 9, verse 1, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. So which is it, Paul? He says, I rejoice in the Lord always. And he's commanding, rejoice in the Lord always. But then he says, I have continual sorrow in my heart. Do you see the dichotomy? Do you see the tension? Here's what I want you to see. Paul's joy was directly linked to Christ. Rejoice in the Lord, always. And again, I say rejoice. His sorrow was linked to his circumstances. But even when his circumstances were not favorable, his joy was untouchable because his joy was linked to Christ. That's exactly where Habakkuk is. Habakkuk says, man, I believe that God is faithful. I believe that God can provide, but I'm still nervous. I'm still scared. And so often we can relate exactly to Habakkuk's sentiment. But I want you to see what he says now in verse 17. Everybody still with me? Verse 17 says this, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. He says, even when there is nothing physically and tangibly to see that I can rejoice over, even when everything seems to be going wrong, when there's no cattle in the field, there's no animals in the barn, there's no crops on the horizon, there's no figs on the trees, even when everything seems to be going wrong, what does he say, verse 18? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will joy in the God of my salvation. He says, even when I can't see it with my eyes, even when I can't make sense of it in my life, God, I will still rejoice because you are the God of my salvation because I'm not gonna walk by my sight. I'm gonna walk by faith. And today the church needs to rise up and say, it's not about what I can see in the world and what's going on around me. It's all about the one who is alive within me. His name is Jesus Christ and he has provided salvation for all of us to rejoice in. We can rejoice in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk says, I can't even see how it's gonna work out. There's no animals in the field. There's no crops in the field. There's no animals in the barn, no figs on the tree yet. And thank God for that yet. Yet, I will rejoice because joy is a decision, not a feeling. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Do you see how his perspective has changed? I will rejoice. It reminds me of what Job said in Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Notice verse 19. He says, the Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet. Is everybody with me? He will make my feet like Heinz feet. What happened? He found his footing. The circumstances around him were causing him to shake. He was still scared, but he said, I found my footing. And God established my goings. He established my feet. He enlarged my steps. He says, the Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like Heinz feet and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. It reminds me of the prayer of the psalmist, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know, the thing about deer and these mountain goats that can go up into hills is they can traverse through pretty dangerous territory, right? I think we have a picture today. Habakkuk said, he made my feet like hind's feet, like a deer. He said, I found my footing. See, God created you and designed you to be able to navigate difficult territory. He gave you everything that you need to be able to, to walk and to traverse through that season of adversity. And the prayer of our heart should be, Lord, lead me to the rock that's higher than I, lead me up to high places. And so Habakkuk has this whole new perspective. I want you to know though, Habakkuk has this amazing faith in chapter three. He said, even though I can't see it, I'm still gonna rejoice. But you can't have the faith of Habakkuk chapter number three without the prayers of Habakkuk chapter one and the patience of Habakkuk chapter two. If you want that kind of faith, you've gotta be willing and learn to pray honest and open prayers to God and then wait on his timing. See, all of us are gonna go through seasons where God is not making sense and we don't understand what he's doing in our lives, but God always has a purpose. And that purpose is ultimately that we would become more like Christ. And I want you to see in closing today, a couple of verses, because I believe that this is the heart of a true believer and a mature believer that understands, okay, yes, certain things in life don't make sense, but God has a purpose and here's the purpose. Notice Romans chapter eight, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good, all things work together for good, to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. And I love that verse. That's Seth's life verse. That's a verse that, that we should claim in a season of difficulty, but we shouldn't stop there, we should keep reading. 
because he says in verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed. Everybody say conformed. Conformed, changed, patterned to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So why do we go through difficult seasons? And yes, God can work them all for good. Why? To conform us, to pattern us, to change us, to be more like Jesus. To be changed more like the Son of God. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it is painful. Sometimes we don't have the answers. But God is constantly conforming us into the image of His Son. You know, uh, one of the most famous sculptures by Michelangelo is the sculpture of Moses. I have a picture this morning. Interestingly, Moses, if you look close, he has horns on his head. And that is because Michelangelo had a misinterpretation of Exodus 34, that verse that we read earlier. So rather than his face radiating light, he put some horns on him. But you know, millions of people from all over the world will go to visit and to look at that sculpture and to admire the work of Michelangelo. But you know, when that work was started, it wasn't much to look at. It was just a block of slab of marble, nothing sightly to look at, but it was when an artist, a designer, started to chip away, started to sculpt away, started to chisel out, that he could make it into something beautiful. Can I just remind you that he is the potter, that we are the clay, and that God is constantly chipping away at us, and sometimes that chipping is painful. And sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes it hurts and it doesn't make sense. So we, God, what are you doing? But God is always creating and designing something beautiful to transform us into the image of his son. Second Corinthians puts it, puts it this way in chapter three, verse 18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. We are changed into the glory of God from glory to glory that process of sanctification. So the book of Habakkuk, it starts in gloom, but it ends in glory. It starts with a question mark, it ends with an exclamation point. He found his footing. And I want you to see the closing part of verse 19 as we close, would you join me in standing? I want you to see what verse 19 says. Everybody with me? He says this, the Lord God is my strength. Do you believe it? And he will make my feet like hinds feet, like a deer I can find my footing and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. And I love this last phrase of the book of Habakkuk. The last phrase he says this, to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. What does Habakkuk say at the end of the book? Turn the music up. What does he say? Hey, we're gonna worship the Lord even when we can't see figs on the tree, even when we can't see cattle in the barn, we're gonna worship that our God is a way maker, that he will make a way even when we can't see it. So let's lift up our voices today and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen.